HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is our special New Year's show. We're in New England at the home of Horst Dornbush, our good friend, beer consultant, and uh, assistant editor of the Oxford Companion to Beer and all that stuff. But it's pretty cool. I came up to New England to visit my family. We've been checking out some breweries like Mystic, Cambridge Brewing, Smutty Nose, and Trillium. Uh, but we were invited to this special dinner with the Horst and uh, good buddy Todd Mott, uh, formerly of Portsmouth Brewing. We knew him for Kate the Great, and now he's got his own brewery in uh, Kittery, Maine, uh, the tributary brewing at 10 uh, Chapelet Road, Kittery, Maine. So uh, that's a brief intro, Jack. I know you're taking this on the other end, but we're going to have a conversation, and um, well, here we go. So, uh, Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for joining me. Thank Tell you. Tell us a little about your, back, your background. Uh, oh, it started a long time ago. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, the history was sort of, uh, I, I got a homebrew kit from my wife. As kind of a joke, because uh, I was doing my master's in ceramics, and uh, she was kind of pissed that I was drinking so much beer in the studio, and she was like, well, why don't you make your own beer? And we uh, we got a homebrew kit and started making beer and entering homebrew competitions. Uh, there are a couple of brewers out there, Phil Markowski, Ron Page, and uh, Garrett Oliver were uh, all uh, competitors of mine. Uh, way, way back when, when we were homebrewers, and uh, and now look where they are now. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing that uh, we started off as humble homebrewers, but we did, and uh, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Um, but now I have my own brewery with my wife Galen, who happens to be here with us. And uh, she won't talk much, but she will talk eventually, hopefully. Oh, yes, I Well, we got so. Horace Thornbush. So, Horace, you set up this special dinner at your home in West Newbury, Massachusetts for the holidays. So uh, what, what are some things that, that our listeners should know about Todd Mott? <laughs> um, he likes to eat. 
Well, I have known Todd for more decades than I would like to remember, <laughs> and I'm sure the same holds true for him. Um, but I have always respected him as a consummate professional who, when he doesn't know what he should know, he will search for it, and he makes beers true to style, and he has experimented with a vast amount of styles, and all his beers have been absolutely perfect. It's very hard <laughs> to detect defects in his beers, and I think I know what I'm talking about because there are people on several continents who make me fly to their locations to be a beer judge. And I have judged Todd's beers for decades, and I have found them universally well, we, we know you're superior. one of the experts, but your wife, Elva, tell us about your experience working with Horston in the beer world. Because we, you know, we've identified that Todd Mott is one of the great brewers in, in the Northeast. And uh, what, what, what gives your husband the, the, the right to say that? Well... When I first met him, uh, he used to talk about um, how he made beer when he was had, still had the Dornbush Brewing Company, and I didn't know everything he was talking about, but I certainly was impressed by the depth of what he was talking about, even though I wasn't sure what it was. But over the years, as he's written articles and talked with people around the world, it's just been the incredible depth and breadth of knowledge that he has. And as I've learned more about beer, I've come to determine that he actually knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but it, but that's 15 years later, and so now I think he's We uh, have a lot to, to say about Horst and Todd tonight. Galen, you're, you're Todd's wife, and you're involved in this venture now in Tributary and Kittery, Maine. Tell us about this experience for you, because you guys only opened recently. Uh, it's been amazing. The um, community of Kittery and and the craft brewing community beyond Kittery and Maine, New England, um, all the people that come to Tributary because they've heard about us from all different parts of the country and some internationals. Uh, it's just overwhelming. And, and the main thing they say is the beer is good. It is awesome. And that really, you know... Um, bodes well for all of Todd's experience and and his career in brewing. You know, so I was able to hone my skills on other people's equipment. <laughs> it's basically what it comes down to. And I, you know, I, I spent the better part of twenty five years brewing beer and having brewed beer for other people. Uh, it was time for. Galen and myself to do it for ourselves. And so I've talked to so many people that have started their own breweries and, and it, it, it is a 24 seven job, but, but we're doing it for ourselves. And it's so spectacular to get literally all these people from all over, all over the world coming in, drinking our beer and telling us that you, you're doing a good job. And, and it, it really comes down to how we craft the beer. And, and, and the most important thing is that we are using great ingredients because we have the capacity to get great ingredients. We have a great brewery. So what beer are we drinking right now? We're drinking our pale ale, which is the one flagship beer that we're doing. And the, the cool thing about what we're doing is that we, are, we have a little bit different concept from uh, most of the uh, big beer, uh, any beer 
company. Uh, most beer companies have flagships, and they're constantly repeating the same beers over and over and over again. And I, I, I give them the greatest accolades for that, and, and consistency is the name of the game. We have one beer that we're, we've, we're killing. It's, it's just a great pale ale. Um, it's a beer that everyone can drink. It's not an IPA. It's not a wimpy beer. It's got a beautiful hop-forward aromatic note to it. Um, it's just it's totally drinkable. But that's the only beer we really want to put out consistently. The rest of the beer... We don't, we don't want to be tied down to a, a brand, a style. So we're just going to continue to make beers. And uh, when I say, you, uh, you know, I've been married to Todd for a long time, and he's been uh, working in brew pubs for a long time, and I said, you can't take the brew pub brewer out of the brewery. <laughs> and even though we are now a production brewery, he is going to change up the styles. That's what we're doing. So, we're going to do yeah. the pale ale, and then we're going to be just changing it up. Yeah, so we've got, right now, we only have four beers on draft in our in our tap room. But but the cool thing about our tap room is uh, it's a very communal tap room. We've got picnic tables. We've got some lounge chairs. We've got a church pew. Uh, and we have a bar. And so, you know, you can sit or hang wherever you want. We have music's on, music on Saturdays. So it's kind, of a, it's kind of a gathering spot. And I think that's what the original pub was. It was a gathering spot. And uh, to, to be able to come in and drink different styles of beer, Different, you know, weekly is kind of fun, and uh, it, and and some weeks we don't even have the pail because we we run out of it, <laughs> and, and we just don't have enough fermentation capacity right now, um, and and we're working on that, and we're you know refiguring our game plan. But so it's, you know, if, if I'd ask you, you know, what styles of beer would you make that that I would seek out? Uh, what would they be in horse that you can join in as well? Well, certainly, certainly the pale is one of our, our premier beers. Um, and I think because I've been brewing um, for a long time and I, I do love hops, that I wanted a beer that was uh, hop forward um, but totally, totally drinkable for anybody. But... We do an IPA. We do a milk. We got a milk stout on that right now. We've had so many people in that we're like, I don't like stouts. Stouts are acrid and bitter. They come in and they drink our milk stout. It's got this beautiful, luscious lactose uh, assage character to it that softens all the roast. It's it just so drinkable. And it, we're actually going to drink that with horse tenderloin tonight. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this course. So, so maybe horse should go out and, and pull dinner together. <laughs> the tenderloin is actually marinated in lemon juice, has been marinated for about a week, and it will go extremely well with a, a milk, stout. milk stout with residual lactic uh, sugar sweetness. Um, one of the things I really like about Todd is that he has been able to incorporate in his portfolio a complete variety of the world's beer styles. Um, he doesn't just focus on British-style beers or American extreme beers or Belgian beers. He, can, he also incorporates several German beers in his portfolio, My and these are much harder to make and uh, he has a brew system. Right, we have even brewed an ancient Egyptian beer from the uh, from the era of the pharaohs 
uh, of about 4,000 years ago <laughs> and with mandrake root and all kinds of weird ingredients dates. like dates and ginger. Um, so Todd is both experimental and a classicist. And I like that about the way he is conceiving of his brewery. And I, I think we should point out that he ordered a brew system that allows him to make not only English-style thick mash beers, but also thin mash German-style beers as well as Belgian beers. So he has a very versatile. I'll say that Horst gave me a list of questions, mm-hmm. and one of them included the, the equipment that you got for your brew pub. So what equipment did you buy? Uh, well, we we used local fabricators. So uh, our brew house came from uh, Gloucester, Massachusetts, out of a brewing system called New England Brewing Systems. And Horst uh, is one of the um, uh, uh, the consultants and proprietor. Uh, I had a few things to do with designing the system that yep. God is using. Yep. And, and then we also bought um, local fermentation and cellaring tanks through uh, TIGPRO, which is up in Portland, Maine. Uh, and our, you know, we, we, we decided that we would keep as much of our equipment local as we could, uh, mainly because we're a local company. We're, you know, we're based, community-based. And so the closer people are that can come and fix things, the easier it is for us. You know, when you buy a, a system from Canada or, or Germany or whatever, you know, they'll be here, but they won't be here in four in two hours or one and hour. And it's very expensive to fly somebody from uh, Hamburg <laughs> to Kittery via Lufthansa. Um, so you have already spent a lot of money before they get there. To look at so you think, of course, that you have good local breweries. You also need local equipment and, and other, you know, competent, and competent yeah. local equipment. It's not just that you're going to a metal fabricating shop down the road and ask them to make a fermenter. You need to know yeah. what yeah. you're doing. So, Absolutely. and and Todd's system is extremely versatile. Yeah, and totally can versatile. We can make almost any style. Yeah beer style in the world, and that's not to what, what the average uh, is. Is. How does that system do that? Uh, well, it's, it's a multi-purpose brew kettle mash, louder ton, mash kettle, and then uh, we have a separate louder ton, so we can actually dough into our mash kettle, raise the temperature, because we've got steam jackets and a paddle in it, and then we can transfer to the louder ton, separate the through extra... Through slurry pumping. Through slurry pumping, uh, uh, separate the extract from the uh, mash, uh, and then pump it, transfer it back into the kettle, and uh, and do our regular brew brew system from there. But but it's just it, it's a very functional system because uh, we can also just do a single temperature infusion right in our louder ton. So we can do the very basic, simple English style pale ales, um, you know, or Russian Imperial Stout right in our mash ton. Or we can do, a, you know, a upward infusion, uh, Czech style pills, or um, whatever, uh, in our mash kettle. So and technically, you can even do a decoction if you wanted to. Almost. Yeah. Almost. A single batch decoction. A single, a single decoction. Yeah. So, so we have um, a, a really great brewery. 
And uh, it's small, you know, it's only a 15-barrel brew house, but but it enables us to make just what we want to make. And that's, that's So this is the exact system that you wanted to make the beers that you, you can make? I just wanted the flexibility to be able to make a myriad of styles. And that's, you know, that's... That's what every brewer wants to do. Um, your hands are tied when you have a mash ke- a mash ton and a brew kettle, you know, because um, basically you can do single temperature infusion in a mash ton. Uh, but when you have the capacity to do upward infusion, you can you can literally take your temperature range from 95 degrees Fahrenheit all the way up to 167 over the course of four hours, and you've done these incredible steps to utilize all your enzymes and uh, and and degradate starches. So it, it's really uh, getting too technical here. It's it's a great brewery. It's a great little brewery. We don't usually get so technical. But okay, it's, no, it's late at night and we're having a great and we're drinking beer. Here. And that's but, um, <laughs> and we still what. have we have <laughs> we the course. We got five courses to go here. What do we have? What do we have on the? On the well, we've got the Segundi el Contorno. <laughs> Contorno. Contorno. <laughs> Filetto di mai marinetto e sopra. My Italian sucks. Uh, his beer is better than his Way Italian product. Yeah. 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 We're, we're going to figure out this Italian dinner. Yeah. We'll be back in a few <laughs> minutes on Beer Sessions. Today's break song is Shadow Puppets by Odetta Hartman. You're listening to Beer Sessions Radio. Since 2001. So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're doing a special holiday show. It's going to air in January 2015. We're at the home of Horst Dornbush in West Newbury, Massachusetts. And we're talking with Todd Mott from uh, Tributary Brewing. Uh, he brewed at Portsmouth Brewing for a long time. So here we are. We're doing our show. Jack, uh, take it away, buddy. Okay. Todd, so you were talking about photography. You went from a brewer to owning a brew pub. 
you know, what are some of the ideas you have for well, running a brew pub? Actually, Jimmy, Jimmy, we don't own a brew pub. We have <laughs> a tap a room. It's a brewery tap with a tap room. So, yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, as it turns out, uh, we have... Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Toast. Excellent milk stout. So we got a little yes. milk stout. We got a little uh, tributary milk stouts go with the uh, mm. tenderloin. And uh, mm. in any event, uh, we are we are a, you know, I, I would call this an artisanal brewery. But, but my background is I got my master's in ceramics. And uh, the coolest thing about being a ceramic artist is that I... I Firmly understand art, and I love I love all things art. I love all artists, and we have some friends that are uh, all all different artists: glass artists, um, photographers, um, printmakers, you name it. Um, but we are we want to put together a little show in our our space, which has a couple of large walls on it, and to actually have um, a photographer, a local photographer who's been shooting. Uh, New England Brewers uh, come and do a show with a book signing. So Lauren Clark, an old friend of mine uh, who's been in the brewing industry for a long time but turned to writing books, put out a book called Crafty Bastards, uh, A History of New England Brewing. And uh, uh, this photographer, Michael Penny, has done some amazing photographs of local brewers. And to get the two together, I just think would be a, a really great uh, use of our space. So uh, we're, we're working on getting Lauren to come up and do a book signing and Michael to put his uh, photos on the wall. And it'll just be, uh, you know, another, another opportunity to utilize our space in a different format. And your wife, Gail, so you're like managing the tap room and the front of house. That's right. I mean, tell us about like, how that works. I mean... People are coming to drink your beer, but you have to. They are. Take they care are, of them. and uh, you know we've got a great staff of uh, bartenders who are pretty knowledgeable about the beer and friendly. And um, we've got, as Todd said earlier, we've got these picnic tables, and so we get um, groups of two to you know eight people who come in. We've got families coming in. Um, we have our brew dog Katie, who's Todd's and. Our uh, yellow lab is there most days, and um, everybody just has a great time. And uh, so, running the the tasting room is is a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've got. It's not really a job. It, it's it's more yeah, of an it's extension like, of like, life. It's like having a party every day. <laughs> you know, and then and we have a great space. It's big. It's uh, there's a lot of atmosphere there. People are very positive about. What's going on? And as I said, you know, Todd, like we've got this space to hang some photographs, and uh, we, we have live music uh, occasionally, and it's just a happening place. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kittery, Maine. Different. I remember being in New England. It's it's definitely a cool area. Kittery and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. how'd just, you guys end up there? Because I mean, talking about you know, a lot of our listeners, or whether in England or Michigan. They're going to come to, to New England. Oh, you know, well, they might you, can't, you can't miss Portsmouth if you're heading up to Maine. And, and Portsmouth is one of the coolest little cities. Um, it's, it's a typical quaint New England waterfront community. Uh, it, it's it, it's um, situated right on the Piscataqua River, which is one of the largest um, motions 
of water. You know, there's a huge bay called Great Bay uh, upward towards Durham, uh, uh, New Hampshire. And into Great Bay runs this massive tidal water. And it moves literally, I think it's between 12 and 18 feet mm-hmm. per, um, you know, per uh, tide. Per tidal movement, and uh, it's it's I think second to the Bay of Fundy in New second England. Second to the Bay of Fundy, yes. In New England, yes. and so it, it's a massive tidal surge, and the the river, the Piscataqua River, moves like you would not believe. It's oh, it's phenomenal, and 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 so that's um, kind of how we came up with the name Tributary Brewing Company. Is you know we nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> we we moved up from Boston and beautiful area in, in Maine and there are all these smaller tributaries of the Piscataqua. Little streams, brooks, little rivers, streams, brooks, um, riverlets. Salmon Falls River, Cochico, Cochico uh, the Lamprey River. Lamprey. And, uh, you know, the water is very important to our area for so many reasons. Um, tourism, Sustaining life, uh, first of all. Life, farmland. But um, how did you guys do it? I mean, you were, you were a brewer and you guys had careers or decorative artists and you know how did you guys get get the financing and, and decide you wanted to have your own we robbed the bank but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we went through a couple of traditional uh routes of going to the bank really yeah writing our story and and saying this is what we want to do and we you know we, Todd we has the credibility um and and the career uh behind him and and so the banks were uh, were very reasonable in, in in giving us some funding. So funding, and, you know, some we, funding we, for we the tried equipment. Tried to keep it within reason. Within reason, we didn't. And then we take too and we we risk. kept some very short, limited number of investors that um, basically are not looking to get a huge return quickly. And that's what really it really came down to is that we're going to take care of the bank first and then the investors later. And uh, fortunately, they were <laughs> hopefully later. You would prefer it the other way. Right? <laughs> I'm sure they all like your beer, you know. Uh, so far, so good. <laughs> what's, what's the beer drinking now? Uh, this is our milk stout. Um, uh, again, milk stout is a sweet stout as far as styles go. Uh, has very few edges to it. It's more soft than it is hard. Uh, the cool thing about lactose is it it goes in during the boil, but there is no uh, there are no fermentables in lactose, so it is a uh, unfermentable sugar that maintains its uh, dextrinicity throughout the entire fermentation and carries over into the finished finished product, and it is it just adds a softness to the beer. Whereas, uh, you know, a dry stout has a little bit of an acrid character to it. And a lot of people love that. But the milk stout, the sweet stout, is a stout that has um, some serious texture to it, as well as some roast, um, but is really soft and easy to drink. And it, it, under 6%. Of course, there's, there's a real, like, lactose nose, isn't there? Um, the, the trick about the milk stout is that the dextrins, the unfermentable sugars, in this case do not come from the grain, but right. are added separately to the wort oil. Actually, this is a pretty funny story. We got two bags of uh, lactose, 
And it, they came from a, a, a reputable company that we've been buying malts and specialty adjuncts and stuff from for years. And on the, on the bag, it said something about cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my lead brewer, Jeff, was like, what the hell is that cheese? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, look at that bag. I was like, no, that's lactose. He goes, yeah, what's that C-H-E-E-S-E? I was like, cheese? So we ripped the bag open. We're expecting like Parmesan cheese. It was milk sugar. It was lactose. <laughs> but that was very funny because, oh my God, you know, here's, here's Brewer's cheese. Brewer's cheese? That's not cheese at all. It's lactose. But of course, when, when you smell and taste this beer, I mean, this is not like other milk stouts. I mean, this... Is unique. You mean tarts? The taste and, and the, the nose of this beer. Um, one of the key characteristics of this, to me, is that it has, as Todd said, no accurate notes whatsoever. So you have no roasted notes, even though the color is black. totally black is pitch nice. black. In other words, this is a beer that's very difficult to make because the requirements of color and the requirements of flavor um, fight each other. They are antagonistic. In other words, to get a beer this dark, it should taste acrid and, and roast. And, and you should smell in the bouquet. You should get the, the nose should re be a reflection of the flavor of the beer. But in reality, this beer has none of the aromas or the flavors that you would expect from a beer this dark. So this is actually a very technically a very difficult beer to make and only a really brave brewer will tackle it and actually succeed in pulling it off. So what do you think? I mean, we had some conversations earlier tonight and we're having a good time. We're drinking a lot, but high five, high five come on. How do we, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of new, new people making beer and, you know, should we just expect, should we only ask of people like Todd, you know, you're an experienced brewer, should we have some levels of, of competency before we let people brew? Because, you know, we have this conversation, Todd's a great brewer and now we're going to embrace his new brewery. But there's um, so many people making beer. And this is a conversation that you guys have had. If, if you allow me to pick so. that up very briefly, um, the, um, the concept of craft beer has acquired a huge reputation in the United States, mm -hmm. and justifiably so. Now, once you have that reputation, you've got to preserve it, you've got to treasure it, you've got to protect it. And you can only do so if you have people who are utterly competent in their craft. Um, you can, if you build a house and you have a second-rate carpenter uh, finishing your roof, at the next thunderstorm it will leak and collapse. The same applies to craft beer. Um, in order pres to preserve the pristine quality and value that craft beer represents. After all, it's more expensive than an industrial beer, than the average industrial beer. In order to justify that extra money for the extra value, you have to infuse the process that makes the beer with the competence 
that goes with it. Um, incompetent brewers could potentially ruin the the whole category, the perception of the category of craft beer. Mm-hmm. It's really essential that we do not let that happen. I mean, this is a serious conversation. I mean, yeah, move. Sorry, <laughs> I mean, but there, are, but I have to. I'm not as knowledgeable, but I know that there are so many uh, young people and serious people who are going to school to learn the craft of brewing beer, and they are getting a tremendous amount of uh, information and skills in doing so. So, I mean, that's not to say that you need 22 years of experience. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There are an amazing amount of great brewers out there. I want you you to ask Todd a question, because we've had his beers, and uh, he's making great beers. What would you ask him if you had to ask him one question? Who does your hair? (laughs) (laughs) Who does your hair? Who trims your beard? As it turns out, I trim my beard, and Dot does He has a good beard. That's a really interesting question, because Horst and I often say that in the United States, there really isn't that many places for a brewer to really become, to learn to become a brewery. Because in Germany, you actually have to get a master's degree from Weinstefan or the VLB in Berlin or German's Academy. In the United States, you really only have University of California, Davis. You Uh, have... There's Corvallis. Now, yeah. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn has just opened a fermentation. No, no, no. Auburn, uh, Alabama. Alabama. But that's yeah. a new one. Didn't know Grand that. spanking That's new. right. Exactly. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I mean, they are popping up right and left. Well, and how about With, and, and, and Steve and, and Steve, um, Stephen... Um, Parks. 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 Parks in, 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 in Middlebury, Vermont. Yeah. The exactly. American Brewers Guild. But you think there's enough training available He has put people? out so many fantastic brewers. So, no, there are, they are, there are many, many places to get an education in the United States. No but I think, Todd, you will admit that there is a time lag between the demand for well-trained actually scientifically trained brewers because we understand that beer making is, is art and science absolutely a craft as well as science um, a, a, a biochemical and a microbiological science absolutely. there is no doubt about it it's, it's all of that right without a doubt so there has been in the united states a time lag between the demand for competent brewers yeah. and educational institutions right. that can actually supply that demand that, yep. for trained True. individuals. True. I think that's a fair and statement. Especially the rate that we're, bre- we're growing right now. The One and a half breweries a day, a day. Up in the United States. Oh, my God. Yes. So, so my question for Todd is, as, your, as Tributary grows, and you're going to be hiring more brewers to do a lot of the work... What are you looking for in a brew in a brewer, and what kind of qualifications I'm, do they need to have? I certainly I want people that have experience in the industry, and I want people that are just passionate, so passionate. Because I mean, that's where I came from. It, you know, I didn't I didn't learn this because it was easy. I learned it because it was interesting. Because it was so much of what I am. I, I love art and I love science, and that's what I look for in in the next you know the next phases of our brewery. Do you think it's important that they have one of these degrees? Absolutely, from- absolutely. 
And uh, um, anyone out there looking for a job? <laughs> We'll be looking soon. I think. What's your address? No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're on You're in Kittery, Maine. What's the address again? It's 10 Shapley Road. No, no, don't send mail there. Kittery, Maine. But, but don't send mail. Good God. No, no, no. printed mail. Uh, That's the Todd, T O D, a tributary <laughs> brewing company. All right. com. Hey, hey, we'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. <laughs> The Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. Become a member. There's a lot of benefits, and we've got great shows from chef shows, cheese shows, and everything else. But hey, we're up here in New England for uh, January 2015 at the home of Horse Dornbush in West Newbury, Massachusetts. And we just happened to come upon a uh, Todd Mott from uh, Tributary Brewing. I just happened to show up. Oh, God. <laughs> this is crazy. Just what, what, this is like my in. Christmas fantasy. <laughs> let's make a toast. So, hey, Amen. you know, Todd, you were talking Yay, about Todd. it's like Sunday night and Tributary. Yay, Galen. Todd was in Galen, his wife, and he said he has to get back to work tomorrow. Yeah. So what are you going to do tomorrow at, at your brewery? So tomorrow is a, just a typical Monday. We're going to have a production meeting first thing in the morning, talk about what we're going to do during the week. We're going to have Thursday off because it is New Year's Day, and I know a lot of people like to party on New Year's Eve. But the yeast will be working. And the yeast will be working because <laughs> we'll be putting in an IPA on Tuesday. So tomorrow we'll, uh, we'll get our water ready, you know, we'll get it hot, we'll... we'll um, get our grains ready. We'll pull the ba- all the bags. Uh, we'll mill the specialties ahead of time. And then we'll also, we have to clean kegs because later in the week we're going to actually be kegging a beer. So when we, when we brew a beer, we keg a beer. And so we move a beer out of the, uh, one of the fermenters and then we, uh, we actually brew into that fermenter. So beer's going to move out tomorrow, and uh, we'll then brew into that fermenter on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, there's cleaning processes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, basically, brewers are um, sanitation engineers. All we do is clean shit. You know, it's just <laughs> it's unbelievable how much cleaning we do. But first and foremost, cleanliness is, is the name of the game. It's and godliness. It is godliness. You know, you've really made a name for yourself, and, and even I've heard of, you know, the, the Kate the Great beer. <laughs> from Portsmouth. Tell us a little bit about that, just to give our, our listeners some background. Well, so KTG, Kate the Great, um, was a beer that was um, brewed originally in Boston at the Back Bay Brewing Company in 1996 um, as Boston Strangler Stout. And uh, we we received a <laughs> cease and desist um, on the name, and there was much media and press about the name. Uh, it was never intentionally to be um, a, a, a naughty name or anything, but we we changed the name, and I just called it Russian Imperial Stout from then on. Uh, I've been brewing Russian Imperial Stout since 1996. That's all there is to it. I carry the recipe with me. Every single brewery I've been in, I've brewed a batch of it. 
at least one batch, if not a couple. And at the Portsmouth Brewery, somehow the Alstoms, uh, those, the beer advocate guys, um, ranked it as the number two beer on the planet in 2007. Why? I don't know. I'm not questioning. But they love you. But they did love the beer. And, and, and as it turns out, I actually met a really cool guy from um, Belgium, uh, Urbane uh, Couteau from Stroysa, who had the number one beer on the planet, who wanted to find out who this bitch Kate was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he wanted to introduce Albert to, to Kate. <laughs> and so we, in fact, did a collaboration brew in Belgium at DECA in, uh, God, I think it was 2010. And uh, there's still bottles of Kbert out in the market. And if you ever get one, bring it to me. I want it. But uh, it was really cool because uh, we we had just, a, you know, another Russian Imperial Stout. There's so many incredible Russian Imperial Stouts on the market. And why Kate was deemed the number one beer in America at that point, I don't know. Because, you know, it was just maybe it was an opinion poll or something like that. But we uh, we got some serious press coverage on it, and and then we put out a batch after they said, "Hey, this is a great beer." So we made another batch, and for the most most part, we were selling that beer in about four months. So we made seven barrels of it, and it lasted four months, which was was great because you could always have a pint of it at the end of the day. And well, it wasn't a pint; you'd have about ten ounces and. You'd be on your way and happiness ensued. But we then brewed a second batch of it and it lasted about three weeks. And then all of a sudden the buzz hit and we put out the next batch and there was a line out the door and people were waiting for the beer to come on. And by the time I left in 2012, we ended up doing a lottery, and Peter and Joanne, Peter Eggleston, who is the proprietor of Portsmouth Brewery, I, just a phenomenal, phenomenal businessman, and Joanne, his uh, partner, um, decided to do a lottery. And we sold, 30? I, th I think it was 30, no. uh, 15,000 tickets, tickets, lottery tickets, at two bucks a piece. We raised $30,000 or the course of a weekend to sell 1,800 bottles. So it was a scratch ticket. This was just such a great marketing ploy because it was a lottery. It was a chance. You weren't assured of anything. But the buzz was, let's go, let's go take a chance. And I, I, the beer community, I love this beer community. This beer community is so into everything new, everything old, everything that is like hot and and right now. And I just here's here's to the beer community. Cheers to them. Cheers to the beer community. Well, on God, that note, so we're, we're drinking. Uh, what are we drinking now? We're drinking a saison. Uh, this is our yeah, winter, winter saison. Our winter saison. Yeah. And it's, it's a big, it's a big beer. This is a nine point one percent. Yeah, I can saison. taste the alcohol. Mm. You can taste the alcohol, but it's not, it's not a, a really hot heat. You know, most of the there's really, no hot alcohol flavor. Yeah. You, guys were, you guys were talking about styles before. We before we had the show tonight. You were pretty serious yeah. about a Kolsch has to be a Kolsch. It can't be a hoppy Kolsch. But if you're drinking a saison that's nine point one percent. 
And I mean, what so, style is that? But what I did was I, I, I sort of called it a winter saison. So putting that nomenclature in winter beer, that means, okay, take it for what it is, because it's going to be a big beer. This, you know, wintertime is usually time for warm beers. So this beer, when actually served at room temperature, the yeast has this character to it. This is BSI, um, French Saison yeast, and it has this just beautiful yeast character that uh, is... Um, not only fruity, but has a spicy character to it. And may, it's I, may just, I say that um, what what the yeast delivers is almost like a white pepper flavor, mm. which is very a very nice balance to the malty yeah, sweetness nice. of the beer. It's beautiful, and it's just yeah, a you know, but it's beautiful. a big beer. This is a this is a big strong beer, and um, I you know I, I thoroughly appreciate. Um, Seasonal beers, and that's it. This was the first seasonal beer I brewed, and we brewed it. Um, oh god, over three months ago, and it you know, it came out about um, three weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it had time to mature in our one of our horizontal tanks. And uh, we actually have 27 gallons of it on an uh, Pinot Noir barrel that um, we're actually um, sort of holding that back. Uh, to just do a very, very limited release of it at the brewery. and uh, But I also think we're going to um, release it at a uh, very special restaurant in Portsmouth for their game beer and game dinner. But I won't say any more than that. <laughs> it's a beautiful color. It's almost like an amber. Uh, light amber, yeah. Yeah, yeah. truly, you know, jewel amber. For people that are, that are fans of yours and, and want to know, so to go to Kittery, Maine, they can go to the, the, the tasting room. Is it the tap room or the tasting room? It's a, it's tasting, a tasting room. room. Yeah, yeah. So we have a bar. We have picnic tables. It's it's a fairly large large space. So you can come in. You can bring, uh, absolutely bring food in. Bring um, bring your children. Bring your uncles, your aunts, your, <laughs> your dogs, your elephants, whatever. <laughs> Actually, I don't think the elephant will get in there. But, but Dogs um, are allowed. Uh, uh, to a degree, you know, we can't have, we can't have we can't have a mushing team in there, you know. Yeah, but most most beer lovers love dogs, so we can't have every beer lover bringing their dog. <laughs> but we have our dog Kate, and she's there named all the time. after. Oh, that's uh, very cool. We like that. I will say this: that you know, to our listeners out there, you know, we're with Todd Mott, who is is a great brewer, and uh, Horse Thornbush, and you know, the whole panel here of people. But you know, we're, we're talking about. We've got some legends in, in craft beer now in America, and you know we, we've read some of the books, Audacity of Hops, and we've met Ken Grossman and Steve Hindy. But the, the legends are making beer, but isn't it almost that you need to put in a certain amount of time before you can really make good beer? What do you think about that, Horace? Um, nothing beats, beats experience. Um, the um, uh, book knowledge is essential. Um, but um, I guess the way I would like to answer this is, and I'll make this very brief, uh, the great philosopher Immanuel Kant wrote a book called The Critique of Pure Reason. It's about 450 pages long. I read it, and I thought, well, isn't he finished? No, he wrote another 450-page book called The Critique of Practical Reason, 
And in the introduction, he says, some things may be true in theory, but may not work in practice. Mm. And off he went again. Wow. So, and I think therein lies a great metaphor for craft brewing. We need to understand the science, the biochemistry, the microbiology of brewing. We need to understand sanitation regimen and all this. But if you know all that and then understand how stainless steel works and the equipment and the pumps and the head pressure and all that stuff, you know all that, then you go into a brew, a real brewery, and you still know nothing. nothing. Absolutely. I- wholeheartedly nothing and then you start from scratch you you put on your rubber boots you walk in what water for a day a long time and then and learn your craft and learn your craft so i i i totally believe that experience is key so we have you know new england has a bunch of really great brewers no question about it I, I, you know, Ken, obviously, Ken Grossman, Jim Cook, phenomenal. Sam pioneers. Cla- Sam Claggioni. Uh, Sam, Sam, Sam Claggioni is not a pioneer, but he is the most incredible spokesman for craft beer. No questions about it. He is just the ultimate spokesman for craft it beer. It takes a combination what, of What types. about some of the new, the up-and-coming new breweries in New England? Well, you know, again, but there's, there's like, Dan, Pack at it, Dan and Martha from Pretty Things, you know, making incredible beer. Uh, but he Chris has Loring, been at it for a long time. But yeah. he has yeah. been at it for yeah. a long time. Chris Loring started a little tiny years. brewery, uh, Tremont Brewery, um, in Boston many, many mm. years ago with Alex Revilotti. And, uh, you know, they, uh, Chris is making beer not as, as notch. Um, you know, the guys at Wachusets, the guys at uh, Berkshire, the guys, I mean, there are, I, I could reel off a thousand brewers that I know that have been brewing for as long as I have. About and two decades at least. And, and, and you know, there are so many new brewers that still have such a long way to travel before they get to, you know, fruition, maybe. But but I think a lot of these new brewers are, you know, sort of on the cusp of, well, we're doing barrel. You know, we're doing sour beers. And that's awesome. I love that. It's something that I'm... They've got their yeah. niche. Oh. Um, but, you know, the people that have, you know cut their teeth and have worked in the trenches as long as I have um, really have that working knowledge and and you need to taste their beers and then taste their beers against these um, the newer brewers and see you know where they stand yep. and uh, you know I know that uh, there are a lot of people that are making great beer that are fresh you know I look at Maine Beer Company you know my god Dan and uh, David have only been in the industry for, you know, five or six years. They're killing it. Rising tide. Rising, Rising tide. tide. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're great. Yeah. Nathan, yeah. Nathan and yeah. Heather are doing Earth a great Eagle job. And and what Earth about for like our, you know, a lot of our listeners are home brewers, and many of whom have won awards and competitions, and they want to make that leap. How do you go from a homebrew system to doing a seven-barrel or 15-barrel well, system? Well, it, it, it takes a serious balls. Um, <laughs> um Read the scientific literature. Um, 
there are about 450 to 500 compounds in hops. We don't even know yet how many there are. And all of them are essential for the flavor composition of a beer. And we're not even talking about yeast and malt yet. Yet, yeah. Now, really. you need to understand what's the difference between myrcene, caryophyllene, and farnesine. If those words don't mean anything to you, you should not be brewing. Does that make sense, Tom? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we are not talking about being geeks here, but you need to understand the tools of your craft. Horace, can you say that one more time? <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, myrcene, farnesine, caryophyllene, uh, humulene, um, xanthohumulone, and, and so on. Um, you need to understand the, the, the ingredients with which you are working. Although it's sort of like being uh, a lion tamer in, uh, uh, in, in Las Vegas. If you don't understand lions, you try to tame them, you will be eaten. If you're a brewer who doesn't understand hops, really understand hops, and you brew with it, you are going to ultimately make a random beer that will not sell and you go bankrupt. It's that simple. And also the whole idea of the hygiene and keeping everything clean. That and too. Not yes. infected. Yes. That's really a theme that we talk it's about a lot essential. as well. It's essential. It's essential that you understand the biochemistry and microbiology of your beer. So you're saying perhaps that, that all the new, a lot of people opening small breweries or contract, they're contracting out, maybe they need to actually take a, a certificate program or some Absolutely. other oh, without thing or they an apprentice be, and, yes. a, and another brewery. Yes. yes. So those are things for us to look for, especially, you know, we're, we're buying here for restaurants and bars. There's a lot going on in the world of craft beer. This has been an awesome show. We're up here in New England. We, we're talking to, to one of the, the brewing masters of New England, Todd Mott, who's just opened up Tributary Brewing, and, and we've got Horse Thornbush and the whole crew here tonight. I just want to say thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, this, this will air in January 2015. Thanks to Jack Inslee, our engineer and our producers. And uh, we're here at Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.